Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 14 of Swimming Upstream, and a very happy International Women's Day, as well as a National Women's History Month to everybody. Today, uh, and for the entire month, we recognize and give our appreciation to every mother, daughter, grandmother, great-grandmother, everything in between for all they do to enrich our lives, uh, and we recognize the accomplishments of women who have made their permanent mark on history. And to me... This is something that can't be overstated. It's something that should be celebrated, not just today, not just this month, but every single day of the year, we should be appreciating what women do for our lives. My guest today has done both of those things I just mentioned. She has and continues to enrich our lives, and she is well on her way to carving out an everlasting presence in the South Florida sports market. Joining us today to talk about her career, how she's gotten past the stigma surrounding women in the sports world, how she manages to provide quality coverage on two separate beats, sometimes both within the same exact day. Of course, her thoughts on recent events surrounding the Marlins and much more. The wonderful and extremely talented on-air personality from Fox Sports Florida, soon to be Bally Sports Florida, Miss Jessica Blaylock. Jessica, thank you so much again for agreeing to join me today. As we already mentioned, I know your time is super, super valuable. We're actually in the middle of the Panthers game right now that you're trying to follow. So thank you so much. <laughs> for dedicating some of your time to our show. It's a pleasure to work next to you and a delight to have you on with me today. So thank you again, and how are we doing? Well, thank you for a very kind and generous introduction there. I really appreciate that. I'm doing great. Uh, we are right in the middle of hockey season and right in the middle of spring training. So that is exactly the perfect place to be. That is my happy place. So I am doing fantastic. Awesome. So first off, I just mentioned this to you. I don't think there will be a single South Florida native or a fan of this area's teams, especially the Panthers and the Marlins anywhere that's listening to this uh, that hasn't heard your name and doesn't know what you do. But just for those that may be listening from out of market, uh, I do have people that listen from out of market. And thank you to those listeners, by the way, that try to tune in and gain insight into this Marlins club from other places. So yeah, for them, uh, just give us a, a quick bio on yourself. And then to follow it up, why sports? And when did you know that you wanted to make a career out of this? All right, quick bio on myself. Uh, I am a reporter slash host for Fox Sports Florida, soon to be Valley Sports, um, for both baseball and hockey. And um, this is the third major sport I've had the opportunity to cover for them. I covered five seasons of the Orlando Magic for them as kind of my first major assignment, and I've been with them ever since. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the quick, you know, what I'm doing now, um, as far as why sports and when did I know this was what I wanted to do? I am one of those people who has always counted myself incredibly blessed to know, you know, pretty much for my whole life, what I've wanted to do. I took a journalism class in middle school as an elective, got to do the morning announcements. Hey, this is what time soccer practices today. Hey, this is what's going on this weekend, you know, with academic clubs, et cetera. And I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with being on TV. I fell in love with the, the production side of it, all the cool stuff that we were able to do. So I knew in seventh grade, I wanted to be a reporter. My junior year of high school, I uh, fell in love with the Florida basketball team who made it to the national championship game, um, lost to Michigan state that year. But I just, I loved that Gator basketball team and thought to myself, it would be so much fun to cover this team or cover sports. So I knew at 17 that I wanted to go to the University of Florida, study journalism, you know, hone in on sports and kind of the rest is history. And I also grew up um, in a household that is a very sports centric household. Both my mom and my dad love sports. My dad is originally from right outside Boston. So, you know, there was always baseball on, there was always college football on, you know, the, the, when Jacksonville got the Jaguars, there was always Jaguars football or NFL Sunday or whatever it was. So, I mean, I just, you know, college basketball, you name it, there was just always sports on in my household. And I played sports growing up, you know, I was a swimmer, I played volleyball, basketball in middle school. Um, so I, like sports was just, it just always made sense to pursue something in the field of sports, especially once I knew I wanted to be a journalist. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you do an amazing job. We'll get into it uh, exactly like what you do with, with the teams that you cover. It's, it's awesome. 
um, we see on the calls uh, for the Marlins, the Zoom calls in the mornings now and after the games as well. And then at night, you're you're following the cats. Uh, this time of year, we know it's super busy for you. So yeah, uh, quality quality stuff. Um, I love everything that you have done. It is great. Uh, a great person to follow. A great person to read. And dedicates basically your whole life to sports, which is amazing. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> of course. So uh, yeah, um, want to get to another one here. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's it's something that is just the, the most unfortunate thing. Cause we look at people like you uh, and other women that are in the sports world and what they have provided to the sports world. we talk about people, of course, Kim Ang. Uh, I'll talk about her in a little bit, the huge Marlins hire uh, from this past uh, off season that takes on the GM role. Um, also want to mention Allison Williams who predecessed you here in South Florida. Um, you got Sarah Thomas, uh, NFL uh referee you got uh, Alyssa Nacken of the Giants that's a hitting coach Sarah Fuller who's a kicker for Vanderbilt so the notion this notion that still exists today and, and really for me it kind of goes back to the movie A League of Their Own where women basically kept the sport of baseball going when World War II was going on and men of course had to serve overseas and you know you watch that movie and you kind of want to think yeah it completely went away that this it, it, it was erased back then and it's gone forever but really, it's still it's still here. It still exists, um, and it's just so unfortunate um, that it does uh, in 2021. So I want to ask you here uh, for you on this: Have you ever in your career experienced this prejudice firsthand, and what were your thoughts on it, and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, the world of sports is still a very predominantly male-dominated field. Um, now, I will say I, I have been really, really lucky with the two teams that I cover down here. Both the Marlins and the Florida Panthers have been incredible to me. You know, I, they were welcoming and encouraging and gave me the opportunity to establish myself. And, you know, those two teams feel like family to me. I'm about to start my seventh season of baseball. I'm currently in my sixth season of hockey. So when you spend years and years with the same team, you just become like family. Um, but of course, you know, in, in a, a male dominated field, for the most part, you know, women, unfortunately, there are going to be times where you run into a little bit of adversity. And I think, you know, one of, one of the things that kind of, comes to my mind is when, when people critique you, they tend to critique you based on what you look like versus the substance of the work that you do. Um, you know, anytime I've, I've received kind of a, a, a negative tweet on Twitter, it typically has nothing to do with my work. <laughs> it, it has something to do with the makeup I wore that night or the outfit that I wore that night or whatever it may be. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, if I'm going to get a negative tweet, I would rather it be about what I look like versus my, my job performance, because I care way more about the quality of my work than what I look like while I'm doing my work. Um, but I just, I get a kick out of it because I, I doubt that my male counterparts are getting tweets about the suit they wore or why they chose that tie or whatever it may, you know what I mean? So I, I think that's kind of one of the things is, is for women, not only do you have to sound perfect and have the substance behind the story that you're telling, but there's also an expectation that you have to look perfect while you're doing it. So I think that's kind of one of the things that women deal with that men probably not so much. Um, and then I just think it's a little bit more challenging. And, and I don't necessarily mind this because the one thing that I always preach is that, you know, trust and respect. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, trust and respect are earned, not given. And if you approach a situation like that, especially walking into a clubhouse or a dressing room or a locker room or whatever it may be, if you work hard enough at the end of the day and you prove to people that you're willing to put in the time and willing to put in the work, you're going to earn that trust and respect. Um, and I want to earn it. I, I don't, I don't want to be immediately granted that because I want to know that when I got it, I actually deserved it. So, um, you know, I think with women, 
Uh, if you see a man breaking down a sport, people just kind of automatically tend to trust what they're saying about it versus, you know, if you see a, a woman breaking down a sport, they're maybe a little bit more hesitant to trust or believe what she's saying about it. But like I said, you know, it's, it's all about putting in the time, putting in the hard work and knowing at the end of the day, those are the things that really win the day versus anything else. And I, I'm so grateful again, to have two teams that I know the trust is there. I know the respect is there. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's just a really good situation to be in. Yeah, for sure. And, and you already kind of mentioned it with, with both of these teams, uh, that you work to cover, um, both are very inclusive um, of women and everybody really. Uh, with the Marlins, of course, we said Kim Ang, uh, obviously the big hire from the off season. Uh, I will talk about her in a second, like I said, uh, but next to her, you have uh, other women with the Marlins, uh, such as Caroline O'Connor, who's the COO. You got Amanda Sartoris, who's uh, an athletic trainer for the team. The pro scouting manager is Alexandria Rigoli. Um, you know, the entire education team as well with Colleen Mitchell mixed in. So, you know, just so many different personalities and, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you deserve the spot, you're going to get the spot. I think that is paramount on the Marlins. And then of course, with the Panthers as well. Um, I know this from being a season ticket holder. I got close uh, with Adeline Bidenbach, who is of course uh, their um, director of communications, uh, super cool woman. Um, she's really, really good with fans. I can tell you that firsthand. Um, some super cool things uh, that I've had go back and forth with her. Um, really nice woman. Love her. Uh, and then, of course, you have the VP of experience, Nicole Meloff. You have Chrissy Parente, who works next to Adeline. Amanda Sifu, who's in marketing. You know, Alexandra Lyle, creative. So, so many women that are mixed in, you know, as you mentioned, the male dominance. But these teams aren't, aren't letting that affect them when they make their hires. They're going for the best person for the job, first and foremost, no matter if you're a man or a woman. Uh, again, those names and many, many more. So I just wanted to get your thoughts here on how you feel knowing women are so well represented on the clubs that you work to cover. And how you feel knowing South Florida is definitely doing its part to make this form of discrimination a thing of the past. Yeah, it's awesome. And I am so pumped. You know, we've had the opportunity to do a couple of press conferences with Kim. And I am just beyond thrilled to continue to get to know her better and better because she seems amazing. Caroline, you mentioned I've had the chance to kind of get to know her over the past uh, past season and a half, you know, past two years. And she is a rock star, like just a rock star, just the coolest. I mean, you talk about a boss, like, absolutely. And the same thing with Addie and Chrissy, you know, you mentioned some of the Panthers PR staff and, and some of the women that work over with the Florida Panthers. I've worked closely with Addie and Chrissy over the past six years with them you know, now Addie being the head of PR for the Florida Panthers, and they are just another couple of amazing women who work so hard and they are so well-respected and uh, the players just adore them. And so you look around and you see so many just awesome women who are kicking butt and, and taking names. And it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And um, I love it. I love it. And I applaud both the Panthers and the Marlins who have not been afraid to make progressive hires and who have not been afraid to put women in strong positions. And I think it's, it's, it's an honor to look left and to look right and to see, you know, people who look just like you in, in those in those positions and those places. And, and it just makes you feel so much more empowered and, and just so much more proud to be part of that group of women who represent both the Marlins and the Panthers here in South Florida. Awesome. Yeah. We already kind of, you already kind of mentioned it there a little bit, but just real quick on, on Kim. Um, awesome getting to know her as well. I've been on a couple of the calls with her. Um, seems super intuitive, super smart. Um, this woman has 30 years in baseball. So it's a hiring that is such a long time coming for this woman because she put in every ounce of energy, every ounce of learning and, you know, just trying to get better every day. And she finally got the opportunity that she deserved. Um, I just wanted to ask you really quick. I had Tom Kohler on the show not too long ago and I asked him about the hiring and he said to me this, this off season, you know, you see the hiring happen and, every other baseball team and basically sports team. You, I even saw the Dolphins tweeting about it. 
got on and said, you know what, this is awesome. They put out a pre appreciation post, congratulations post, whatever it may have been. Um, but for me, this is something Tom said, and it kind of hit home with me. And I, I really started questioning it. You know, these teams went on and gave out these congratulations, but the other baseball teams in major league baseball, all these 29 other teams, they didn't make this hiring, you know, over the, the course of how many years that came within baseball. And then the hiring happens by the Marlins, of course, who weren't necessarily in direct need of a GM. I mean, obviously Michael Hill going out, the stuff he did in 2020, I thought he was definitely coming back. Um, they just, he, his contract was up. The Marlins did decide to move on, of course, and they bring in Kim A. But the thing for me here is, you know, these other teams that go on and put out this congratulations, it's easy to talk good about something when you're not the ones doing it. It's easy to go out and put a, out a congratulations. But just seeing that and then knowing that all of these other teams didn't make this hiring and it came down to the Marlins that finally did make this hiring and let Kim break that ceiling. So just thoughts on that. Um, you know, what do you think about that, that, you know, these other teams were so supportive of it, but they didn't make the hiring. Well, I, I don't know each individual team's situation, so I, I can't really speak to what was going on, you know, with all of these other teams behind closed doors. Um, but I can speak to obviously the decision that the Marlins made to hire Kim and what my impression of that was. And I think the thing that was awesome to see was the universal support and the amount of people who said this, this hire was long overdue and who had nothing but good things to say, not about Kim necessarily as a woman in the sport, but just Kim as a person in the sport. And, and you said it, her resume and what she had accomplished and how this wasn't about, oh, you hired Kim, who is a great, you know, female in the sport. It was, oh, you hired Kim Ang, who is a well-qualified person in this sport. You know, it wasn't about her it was about her being a woman in the sense that it was a historical hire, but it was not about her being a woman in the sense of what she had accomplished and what her resume spoke about her. And I think that's kind of what said volumes about the hire was Kim didn't get that job because she was a woman. Kim got that job because she deserved it and she earned it. And that to me was the biggest thing. It was awesome to celebrate what she was accomplishing as a woman. And I got emotional during the press conference. I mean, just watching her speak and knowing what it meant and knowing what a, what a pivotal moment this was. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing that I will always come back to is that Kim Ang is in the position that she is in because she earned it and because she deserved it. And that to me is what stands out is, you know, this is, this is a phenomenal accomplishment for women in the sport, but this is a phenomenal accomplishment for Kim because of what she did to earn it. Yeah. I mean, I even said it as well. That's exactly right online with what I believe. Um, I said it as well uh, many, many times that it's awesome to see her get the job, not just because she's a female, but because she finally got the opportunity that she earned and deserved. I'm a firm belief that hard work pays off. Um, I think a lot of people will share that belief. Jessica, you probably as well. So just to see her finally, you know, get past that fact that, hey, it doesn't matter who I am. I earned this opportunity and I belong here. And I think she's proving it. So lastly on her, um, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts here um, on the quote that she had from her presser. Um, what basically what she said is if you can't see it, you can't be it. Uh, she also said recently uh, uh, for International Women's Day, if I can do it, so can you. So the question for you, Jessica, is what is what was the best advice you got as you were beginning your career or maybe even before? And what have been the words you've lived by and getting to the plateau that you've gotten to? I think the best advice that I got was, you know, I started out my career actually behind the scenes. I worked for, I worked for ESPN for almost six years behind the scenes before I got my first job on camera. And I was lucky enough to be on um, the Thursday night college football show with Erin Andrews. And obviously EA, you know, she was one of those women who kind of 
created the whole sideline reporter and, and what women wanted to aspire to. You know, I know Jill Arrington was also on the sidelines and I know other women like Linda Cohn and Susie Colbert and that, you know, there were still other women, but like Aaron was really the person who made so many people want to be a sideline reporter. Um, and I was, you know, lucky enough to be on that crew and she was kind enough to let me tag along with her on the sidelines and, and see how she did things. And I remember we were, um, we were on the road and we ran into each other in the hotel lobby and she ended up sitting with me for an hour, just encouraging me to follow my dreams. You know, if I wanted to be on camera, not to give up and to keep pursuing that. And for some reason, just even hearing someone like that say, don't give up on this. If this is what you want to do, it just, you know, reaffirmed that belief. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to keep working hard until I get there. And, and I'm not going to give up on this dream that I have. And I know it's going to happen. If I, if I keep believing and I keep working hard, I just, I know it's going to happen. Um, and so just, you know, some of the best advice, I guess I would say is, is as cliche as it sounds, just don't give up on your dream, you know, just keep believing that if, if you want it badly enough and you're willing to work hard enough that you'll, you'll get there. Um, and then kind of the words that I've lived by ever since really just the, the two things, you know, one, what I mentioned earlier, trust and respect are earned, not given. And then two, at the end of the day, you are the only one that gets to determine how you feel about yourself. Um, you know, this is a business where everybody makes mistakes, right? But I make my mistakes in a public forum where people see it. And nowadays when we have social media and people have ways of, of having access to you, um, you know, unfortunately we just live in a world where people like to tear other people down. So, you know, whereas you may have a bad day at work, you can go home at the end of the day, decompress, and you don't have to worry about hearing it from however many other people. I have a bad day at work where I screw up a question or I mess up a stat or I stumble through a story. I don't get to go home and like privately decompress from it. Like I have to worry about, oh, well, all these people just saw me have an off night. You know what I mean? So I just, I guess I learned a long time ago, everyone's going to have their own opinion, right? Like, and, and I've yet to meet a person in this world who is universally, universally liked. So I will say I have been, again, I have been so unbelievably lucky that Marlins fans and Panther fans have been so good to me and so supportive and so kind. And 99.9% .9 of the time when I get a tweet or someone comes up to me at the ballpark, like everyone is so nice. And I, I literally, I appreciate that more than I will ever be able to put into words. Um, but, you know, there are going to be people who you're just not there their flavor, you're just not their, their taste. And that's okay too, you know? And so I just, I know at the end of the day, there's going to be people who love me and think I'm awesome and think I do a great job. And there's going to be people who they're just not a fan, you know, they're just not a fan. And, and that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I have decided that I am the only one who gets to determine how I feel about myself. And if I, if I know that I prepared as hard as I could. And I worked as hard as I could. And I did everything that I possibly could to do a good job. I can rest my head on the pillow knowing I'm good, you know? Um, so that's kind of the two things that I really kind of drive home when I, when I give people advice about this business is just always go in with humility, knowing that trust and respect are earned, not given and go in knowing that at the end of the day, you're the only one that gets to say how you feel about yourself. Awesome. Well, definitely an inspiration, I would say, not only for, for women and for females, but basically for, for everybody across the sports world. Because as I mentioned before, your work, especially this time of year, it just doesn't stop. I personally have one hell of a time just keeping up with one beat, beat with the Marlins. You keep <laughs> up with two, usually going from one to the other in the same day or maybe even at the same time. 
So the question here is what's the grind like for you, especially at this time of year when you have to cover both teams, we, you know, where you go from, you know, covering spring training and reporting on that. And then at night it's, you got to put the other hat on and go to the Panthers. So uh, how do you do it? And uh, how much coffee is needed for it? Yeah. Coffee fuels everything. I'm 30% water, 70% caffeine. Um, and, and honestly, this year is easier than it has been in past years because we do everything for the most part through zoom. Um, whereas in past years, there have literally been days where I've gotten up at 6am to make sure that I get to Jupiter at 745 for an eight o'clock clubhouse, go into the clubhouse, uh, you know, get what we can talk to Donnie, watch workouts, watch BP, whatever it may be. And then I drive back and I start getting ready to work a hockey game. And then I head over to the arena and work a hockey game. So this year, it's kind of actually a little bit easier because instead of 6am wake up calls to make sure that I get to Jupiter every day for spring training, um, because we're doing everything for the most part still on zoom. I may jump on a 9 a.m. Zoom for Don Mattingly. Um, and then Coach Quenville for the Panthers isn't speaking until 11.30 or whatever it may be. So it's it's a little bit easier to schedule out. The only tough tougher days, I guess I would say, are days like today where we had uh, Marlins media at 11:30, and we also had Panthers media at 11:30. So I had Marlins on my iPad, and I had Panthers on my phone, and I had literally uh, raised my hand to ask a question for Panthers, and then Gio Gonzalez sat down. So I had to lower my hand for the Panthers and end up not asking a question, so I didn't miss anything that Gio was saying. Uh, and, and so I mean, it's just it's moments like that that are a little hectic. But honestly, it's moments like that that also remind me how incredibly lucky I am to get to cover two sports that I love and to know that those two sports are fully back in session. You know, when when we were inactive and we were waiting for baseball to start and then after baseball ended, we were waiting for hockey to start. Those are the times where it's tough because I genuinely love what I do and not being able to do it was way harder than trying to balance a crazy schedule. Um, I would take having to do 17 Zoom calls back to back to back to back to back in one day, then waking up knowing the only thing I can do that day is wait. So um, I'll take I'll take a crazy day. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I guess you have to be fine with it. Everything that you deal with. Uh, yeah. Uh, crazy. Like I said, I have a difficult time just keeping up with, with doing the Marlins and driving to Jupiter and, and waking up for these, or, you know, 9am calls on the early morning person getting up for these, these 9am zoom calls. Um, and then juggling, of course, my other job, you know, it's not in sports, but you know, I have another job that I do on the side with baseball. So I kind of know where you're coming from, but really I probably have no idea. Anyways, <laughs> I want to get uh, your thoughts on both of the teams you cover. Um, I don't talk about hockey a lot here on this program, but I am an avid hockey fan. Uh, I rarely miss watching a Panthers game. I used to have season tickets. That's how I got to know Adeline and, and her team, as I mentioned to you before. Um, yeah, but uh, just real quick on the Panthers, um, arguably the hottest team in South Florida. Um, obviously, baseball season hasn't started yet, um, but next to the Heat and then, of course, what the Dolphins did last year, um, I think this team's well on their way to being uh, a perennial playoff candidate. Um, so they're getting awesome play from their star players, of course, Barkov, Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, and then they're getting contributions basically up and down the lineup. You just had Keith Yandel, um, which is an insane accomplishment to think that this guy has played in a thousand career games, career hockey games. Like I championed myself for waking up for work every morning and getting on the computer. This guy's going out and strapping on the gear in the skates and, and, you know, taking pucks off of himself and playing as a defenseman and mentoring these younger players. It's crazy to think that the guy has played in 890 career hockey, straight hockey games and 1000 in his career, whether you like hockey or not, you got to respect that. Uh, other guys that I have down on Frank Vitrano, this guy's on fire playing with Owen Tippett on and off. Um, I really like Owen Tippett. I think he's starting to show up pretty well. Aaron Ekblad. Um, I think this guy's peaking at the right time, maybe a little off in previous years, but um, he's already got nine goals. So yeah, I mean, doesn't relate to my usual programming, but I wanted to definitely get your thoughts here. Um, I actually have the Panthers game on in the background right now, by the way. So just your thoughts on the Panthers, the leadership of Bill Zito, uh, who comes over in place of Del Talon. 
where this club is morally right now in your thoughts and uh, how far can they go this year? Yeah, I've actually got the Panthers game on too, as we speak. Um, and I, I think you really hit on it. Uh, Bill Zito coming in and the additions that he made during the off season, uh, namely guys like Brad Pogutis, who brings, uh, you know, a physical nature and a toughness to the Panthers identity, which is something they needed. A guy like Patrick Hornquist, who hates losing with every fiber of his being and who is a vocal active leader, both on and off the ice. Um, Barkov and Huberdo and Ekblad, guys like that, continuing to just get better and better every season um, and having career years. Um, guys that you, you know, didn't necessarily think about heading into this season, like uh, a Yuho Lamico and Ichulo Sturainen and, you know, guys like that who are stepping up and scoring key goals at key times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really, it's, it's been so much fun to see the way this team has come together and, you know, just that Joel Quenville, we know what an incredible coach he is and he has such a pulse for which players are on that night and, and getting the right combination of lines and getting the right guys out on the ice at the right time and bringing out the best in players and, you know, helping to shape the identity of what this, what this Panthers team should look like on the ice. And, and, you know, I'll go back to one thing that he said multiple times throughout the course of training camp. We need to be a, a tougher team to play against this season. And, you know, offense was never really the problem, but defensively, I think everyone in that dressing room, not just defensemen, but forwards as well, you know, knew they needed to be tougher defensively. And I think even Sergei Bobrovsky after last season had some very candid comments about needing to be better. Um, and whether it's Chris Drieger who has stepped up in net this season, whether it's Bobrovsky who seems like he's really starting to find a nice groove in net. I just think this team has taken really a step forward, not only with players who have already been in that dressing room, but with the new additions they made during the off season who have really made a big impact. So it's been fun. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of other tough teams um, with the division realignment this year uh, that the Panthers are playing alongside, not just the lightning who are traditionally in their division, but teams like Carolina, um, Chicago, I think is surprising a lot of people, the way that they've played this season, they've been competitive. So, you know, I, I think, this, this is the best Panthers team that I've covered. And this is my sixth year with the team. I think that they have the makeup. I think that they have the build. I think that they have the toughness and I think that they have the mentality to make a deep run in the postseason. And I'm excited to see what they're, what they're capable of. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit on it perfectly just to wrap up the Panthers there. Um, the fact that these, these older vets and the moves that the Panthers made in the offseason that they come right in and they're able to fit in so well automatically. That's huge for me right. when, I, when I look at how an offseason is constructed. Um, you see it kind of as well with the Marlins. I mean, obviously it's still spring training, but I think Adam Duvall has fit in really well with this Panthers team, or I'm sorry, with this Marlins team, I should say. Um, so yeah, when, when you see, you know, these guys and hopefully Gio does as well, by the way, I think he will. He loves talk, hear him talk today. He's loving being here. It's his dream to play for the Marlins. So those are the guys you kind of look for and cherry pick the guys that you think are going to fit in right away push the team, especially when it comes to older players. So hats off to Bill Zito because man, um, quite frankly, uh, some of Dale Talon's moves while he was here, not to talk about about Dale, cause he's a great guy. I questioned them. I liked almost every single one of the moves that Bill Zito made personally. And I think you're seeing them pay off for the Panthers. Um, all right. So that's, that's it on them. I want to of course get to a few about the Marlins. Um, of course, uh, my, my, uh, my deep love for the Marlins, which goes back to, me first knowing about baseball. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am. I talked to you about that. Um, it's definitely an honor again, to be a part of getting to cover the team uh, sitting next to people like yourself, of course, a pleasure for me. Um, so yeah, again, just want to amazing that the Marlins have me. I'm glad to be here. So I do want to get some of your thoughts because when we're in zoom calls, we're pretty much just talking to the players. Um, you know, we're asking questions, you know, that, that we want to get answered from Don Manningly, you know, for whatever we have coming up, but I want to get your thoughts basically on the direction of the Marlins, because um, 
this is something that, uh, you know, we don't really get to talk to each other unless we put together a show. So another reason why I wanted to have you on. Um, so yeah, uh, real quick on the fish, I do have a few. Um, first one being, uh, you know, it is spring training, but again, just like the Panthers, um, these Marlins are getting contributions from guys up and down this lineup so far. The veterans look good. Um, I say veterans, I mean older players. The Marlins don't have many true veterans, I guess I would say. But the older players, um, they're coming out to play. You see Sandy going out there and throwing well, Pablo. Um, you got Brian Anderson, who I think is hitting really well in spring training. Um, yeah, they just look to be it, it, basically this early in spring to me, they look to be in midseason form, th those guys that have been there before. Um, you kind of expect it, but then, you know, after what we went through last year, maybe you don't. So, yeah, to see them showing up right away and playing early in the spring and doing well is great. And then you got the kids. Um, they came out to play, the guys that I usually cover. Um, the battle at second base with Isan and Jazz is red hot. Then, of course, you got the rotation battle that's going on there. Um, and maybe with Sixto not getting on the field yet, maybe that comes down to two spots. Um, we got to see what happens there with Sixto. But anyways, um, yeah, overall feeling around the team is that as great as last year was, it's a new year. And they're focused on this year and not going backwards or going forwards. So first from you here, uh, the overall vibe you get from this club, which, of course, is being counted on again, counted out again by every single major you know, publication. Um, but that's nothing new. <laughs> so just your overall feeling on the state of the club, how you think they'll tackle that. Of course, that bottom feeder mentality is probably going to go back into it. They're probably going to push each other again, which I thought was awesome last year. I think it'll be back this year, but yeah, just your thoughts so far on the spring and uh, the vibe you get from the Marlins. Yeah. First off, I'm, I'm so tired of this team not getting the credit that they deserve. You know, I'm, I'm so tired of people always putting an asterisk on any type of success they have, even last season, you know, this team fully deserves credit for what they were able to do last season because they faced the same hardships, if not more than every other team in the league. And they still made it to the playoffs, still swept Chicago in the first round. Um, and then obviously just ran into the juggernaut of the NL East, which still continues to be the Atlanta Braves. Um, but I love the one thing that really stood out to me so far from spring training, just talking to different players. I love Miguel Rojas uh, saying that after they lost to the Braves last year in the playoffs, they got together and Miggy said, I want you to remember this feeling. I want you to remember what this feels like to be going home because we don't want to feel this again. And I think there's confidence that obviously was built and grew last season, what they were able to accomplish, but you're right. This team is not hanging on their laurels from last year. They understand this is a brand new season and that the, you know, almost every team in the NL East added big pieces and got better. And it's not going to be easy. Um, it's going to be very competitive. And, and they know, you know, they want to get back to where they were last year, uh, making it to the playoffs. Um, but I love the way that this team has been constructed. Pitching is obviously a huge strength. That's starting rotation. People better not sleep on them between Sandy and Pablo and Sixto, who's got such dominant stuff, um, but he's, you know, just continuing to learn the importance of making adjustments, um, whether it's Trevor Rogers, whether it's Gio, who, whoever it may be, you know, whatever that rotation ends up looking like, it's going to be an absolute strength. And I think it's going to compete with every other rotation in the NL East and not just the NL East, but around Major League Baseball. Um, the bullpen got sneaky good. I mean, I hope people recognize how solid the Marlins bullpen is and that there is not just one or two guys that they can count on every night. I mean, there are multiple arms that are going to be able to come in and shut things down and close out games. Um, and then I love, you know, the, the pieces that they added to the lineup, specifically a guy like Adam Duvall, who's got power, who adds pop. And then, um, you know, you look, up and down the lineup for the Marlins, each guy kind of bringing something unique, whether it's a John Birdie who has that speed factor, whether it's Miguel Rojas who always finds a way to put together a quality at bat, um, you know, whether it's Brian Anderson, who's just continuing to get better and better 
every season is and is going to continue to grow um, when it comes to his power. You know, whatever position you want to look at, there's such a, a great blend of experience, quality at bats, speed, power, uh, and and I'm. I'm really intrigued to see how this year is going to end up playing out because I know, you know, the Mets adding a guy like Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, you know, the nationals going out and getting a guy like Josh Bell or signing John Lester um, to add to their rotation or, you know, the Braves still just being to me the most complete team uh, in the NL East or, you know, whatever the, Whatever it may be, I know the, the division is going to be tough, but I think the Marlins are going to be right there competing with everyone else. And we're going to see at the end of the year why Don Mattingly calls this the black and blue division because teams just beat up on each other left and right. Yeah, for sure. Definitely the most competitive division, I would say, in baseball. Um, and it just keeps getting better. It would have um, been a good year to be in the NL Central. <laughs> Right. This would have been like, a good year to play in the NL Central. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, it's it's gonna be hard. Um, and it's been hard for a while though. I mean, it's nothing really new. I mean, each year for a while now, these teams have been getting better and better and better. And you know, people just count the Marlins out every single year. They have that same narrative that it's the Marlins, you know, they're yeah, and and even after making the playoffs, yes, it was a COVID year and we had a shortened schedule. You know, we're just, you look at what some of these projections are and they're, they just have the Marlins so far down in the basement, like well behind, like, it's just like, how do you, I don't know how evaluators could look at this team and just say, oh yeah, they're going to be in last, you know? And I, I think it just comes down to the fact that we're the Marlins. I mean, I guess you could probably relate it to what the Browns went through last year with the Browns as the Browns. I guess we could probably say the Marlins is the Marlins and it would probably be pretty similar to what that team went through. Anyways, it, it just disappoints me every year to see it. But when the team comes out and shows up and proves everybody wrong, which I definitely think they will this year, no matter if they win the division or not, I don't think they will. Um, you know, if they, if, even if they get around 500, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. And hopefully as this farm system rounds out, people will start taking the Marlins seriously because they definitely deserve it. Um, Jessica pretty much just said it perfectly. Um, you know, these, these guys, they're pushing themselves. Uh, they're pushing each other. Um, the vibe around camp is awesome. I think the state of this team is super good. Um, the spring performance has been great. So really nothing not to like right now. And then with the prospect pool, of course, which we always talk about, um, not a lot to dislike. A um, couple more on the Marlins, though, Jessica, I want to get to it. Just because this one's kind of the talk of Twitter and the talk around the Marlins right now, of course, is the second base battle between Isan Diaz and Josh Chisholm. So, uh, you know, it's still early, right? In spring training, we're only what eight games in, nine games in, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I just want to hit on a couple on both guys though. Isan first, uh, he's really, really been a force lately um, here in spring training. Came out to play for sure. Heard him talk uh, recently about getting his confidence back after everything that occurred with him. You know, with the opt out and, and then uh, you know coming back and getting hurt and everything else. Really, he just wants to get his mind straight. That's kind of what he did this off season. We, he did go to Puerto Rico. He got into a couple games there. Not many, they had a COVID problem there too. Um, and he basically, I asked him about that on one of the zoom calls uh, recently. And he said that he just wanted to get back home and get back to getting it to work every day. Cause he really didn't get to do much work there. So really put in the necessary time in the off season, both physically and mentally, I think. Uh, so yeah, really, really great to see him. He has multiple extra base hits. His swing looks awesome. Um, he would have had a home run the other day when the Marlins were playing in St. Lucie, um, but the wind pushed a foul, but he torched the ball and is getting great contact. I even think his defense has gotten a little bit better from the limited amount that we've seen from him at second base looks a little bit smoother. So yeah, that's on Isan. And then you got jazz, um, having fun as always the infectious personality of this kid is, is so awesome. He just has fun every single second on the baseball field. And you can't say enough about that. Um, he hit a home run on the second pitch of spring training. Um, you know, so you got two different dynamics here. You got the guy that needs to get his mind right. And then you got the guy that just has fun every single day and has always had his mind right. And is just having fun with everything that he does. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of how they're built, they look really, really similar. Um, they both bat left and throw right base play the same position. So similar in their build, but they're at different points in their career. So with that taken into account, it's an extremely tough call to make. I think it will be continue to be a tough call to make as we go through spring training. 
But gut feeling here on what we've seen so far and based off where they're at, uh, who do you think gets it, Nissan or Jazz? Oh, that is such a tough question. I know, um, I know. <laughs> because, it, you know, it's so hard um, just with last year, the way it played out for Eson, you know, I really think it was a wash because any guy who decided to opt out, I do not blame them at all. Whatever the reason was, it was their personal decision and completely up to them. So obviously Eson opting out, deciding to come back and then unfortunately suffering the injury, you know, that's, that's not the way that you want to see last season at all play out for Eson. Whereas jazz got, you know, playing time. And so it's, it's hard because they're not coming into this season from the same place at all last year, right? They're coming in from two completely different places. Um, I, I would, if I had to guess, if I had to just go with my gut, what is, what is you know, my, my instinct say, I think it's probably Eson because that was originally kind of who they wanted to win that job when he got called up late, uh, the season before last. And he kind of has taken those lumps, you know, learning to settle in defensively, um, learning how to put together a good at bat. So I'm, I'm going to guess, Eson, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised either way. All right, guys, you heard her. Jessica Blaylock joining me on the show today to talk about everything from camp battles to the Panthers to her work, of course, um, what she's picked up along the way, how she's battled through that disgusting stigma about women in the sports world, how she's gotten over it. The admirable work that she continues to do is so great. Um, Again, a pleasure to get to work next to her every day on this Marlins beat. And we thank you, Jessica, again, so much for your valuable time coming on today. I do have just the quick fire round left for you. Um, five short answer questions. Uh, and uh, yeah, then we will uh, wrap it up. So the first one that I have for you, Jessica, your biggest mentor and the best, well, we, we got through the advice. So your biggest mentor next to Aaron Andrews, you mentioned Aaron before on the show. But give us maybe one or two more that you kind of built your career after. I would say probably the people at Fox Sports Florida who took a chance on me, um, guys like Ned Tate and Brett Updike <clears throat> um, and all the great producers that I've worked with. Um, and then uh, just the people that I was lucky enough to work behind the scenes with with ESPN who helped me edit together a reel who would shoot things for me at different college football stadiums and who really also encouraged my dream of being on air. So I'd have to say, I'd have to say I've had a, a really, really awesome group of people who have been my cheerleaders along the way. Awesome. Uh, second one, favorite interview you have done so far in your career, if you can pick one. Favorite. That is so hard. <laughs> Because I've been really lucky to talk to a lot of people, but I'll try and pick out a couple from each sport. Um, NBA, Steve Nash was awesome. Awesome. I will go Steve Nash for NBA. For golf, um, I got to do an interview with Jack Nicholas, uh, the Golden Bear himself, which was epic. Um, baseball, Martin Prado is hands down, not just like my favorite baseball player I've ever gotten to cover. He's literally like one of my all time favorite people I've ever gotten to know. I, Martin Prado will be on my Mount Rushmore of my favorite athletes of all time forever. Nobody's knocking Martin off of that list. Um, so, and, and getting to talk to Mike Trout a couple of years ago when, um, they came to Marlins Park for the first time and it was the all-star year. And I got to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with him about his all-star memories. And he was just amazing and so generous with his time. And I will always be appreciative of that. Um, and for hockey, um, you know, Barkov and Huberdo, two guys that I've, I've been with since the start of my career, who I've just really been lucky to become super close with. And I mean, 
you know, I, I joke around a lot that, that Barkov is like my son. Um, but I, I like, I mean it. I just, I, I adore him so much and he's got this great dry sense of humor and he's just, he's such a talented player. Um, so I used to always joke around with Martine and, and Barkov. I would tell Barkov that during baseball, he was the player that I missed the most. And then during hockey, Martin was the player that I would miss the most and always look forward to seeing when each respective sport started. Awesome. Yeah. Barkov, a couple of times I've gotten to interact with him. Amazing dude. Um, yeah. I think he's kind of relished his role as captain since he's gotten it too. I think he's gotten a little bit more outgoing, but yeah. Awesome guy. Love him. Uh, all right. Which pro South Florida sports team wins a championship next? The Marlins, the Dolphins, the Panthers, or the Heat? Panthers. Well, Jessica, I want to thank you so, so much again for coming on the show today. Again, we know your time is extremely valuable. And the fact that you contributed some of it to this show, I'm honored to have you. Amazing talent, absolute treasure here in the South Florida sports community. Exhibit both knowledge and grace on the air and off of it as well. My pleasure to have you on the show today. I cannot wait to see what your future holds in your career. Again, insurmountable talent. It's been my pleasure to, again, share media rooms with you on Zoom. Uh, with the Marlins, we definitely have learned quite a bit from getting to work next to you. So we thank you for that. Thank you again so much for coming on. I really do truly appreciate it. Well, thank you for the kind words. Um, it's really, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been awesome getting to talk about baseball, getting to talk about hockey a little bit and, uh, and let's go Marlins. Let's get this season started. Let's get some wins on, uh, on the score sheet. How about that? There you go. Flip the M. <laughs> there you go. That's what I love to hear. <laughs> Guys, that's Jessica Blaylock. Fox Sports Florida, soon to be Valley Sports Florida, on-air talent and media personality covering multiple beats, impeccable service to the South Florida sports community. You can find her on Twitter at Jess Blaylock. We thank her again for donating her extremely valuable time to our show, and we cannot, again, wait to see where this incredibly talented woman's career goes and how it progresses. That'll do it, guys. Episode 14 of Swimming Upstream. We thank Jessica again for her time. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>